Welcome to Trail Talks, a podcast discussing the opportunities students have with career services. And now, from Utah Tech University, it's Trail Talks. Good morning. Hi, everybody. I am here with Emily Cook, who is an academic advisor here at Utah Tech, but is also a part-time mental performance consultant. Mental performance consultant. And all of my questions say sports psychologist. So tell me so tell me again or tell our listeners the differences between mental performance and sports psychologist. Yeah, so it's super similar. Um, so I have my master's and I'm actually working on becoming certified. I have all my hours just getting ready for that test, which I'm super excited about. So then I'd be a certified mental performance consultant. But for sports psychology, the difference is people get their PhDs and they do clinical work as well. So I only do that applied side of psychology, um, whereas a sports psychologist can do that. Clinical and applied. Okay. So all of my questions say sports psychologist, but just to clarify, she's in the process or someday down the line will be a sports psychologist after maybe she gets her PhD, but right now, that mental performance. So just don't be confused. Sorry, all my questions say sports psychologist. you're good. You're good. But, okay, and so you work as an academic advisor for the College of Humanities and Social Sciences also. Yes, so I love it because I am an advisor for psychology, which is so great because I'm able to educate people about that career field and about that applied side of psychology. A lot of times people instantly think of that clinical side mm-hmm. and not so much that applied side. And so it's good to kind of introduce them with like the DSM. If you're not familiar with that and you're a listener, it's basically what therapists use to be able to diagnose and to bill insurance. Unfortunately, with what I do, I can't bill insurance. Okay. So pros and cons because I'm able to work with people throughout the whole nation, but I can't bill insurance. So some people aren't able to afford my services just because they do have to pay out of pocket. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's good to know. So um, I'm going to be asking Emily a lot about how she's, you know, her background and how she, you know, first became interested in sports motivation and all of that good stuff. So Emily, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what even got you interested in the field of psychology in general? Yeah, for sure. Um, So a little bit about me is I got my bachelor's degree at Utah State, go Aggies, Um, and then I recently... Last year, got my master's in sport and human performance at Adler University. It's a school in Chicago, so I was able to live there for a little bit. Fun. Yeah, it was cool to like, I don't know, Utah and then Chicago. Yeah, go have a little adventure. (laughs) Yeah, two totally different cultures, but it was a great experience. Um, And then I kind of became interested in the field as I was in high school. I was really big into running, loved running, and I was able to notice at a young age just kind of how much of my performance would change depending on if I had like my head in the game, Yeah, which sounds so like cliche. You think back to like <laughs> high, high school, school musical. musical. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's so true. I also did choir and like if I wasn't mentally prepared or ready, my performance wasn't as strong. Right. And so going to Utah State, I thought I wanted to be a personal trainer. I was like really into The Biggest Loser. 
and oh, I liked awesome. <laughs> so weird. Um, but I really liked how they would change their lives and they would get yeah. their lives back. Like internal first and then mm-hmm. external. Yeah. And so I knew I wanted a career that would be like that. Got an internship as a personal trainer, ended up hating it <laughs> because it just wasn't challenging enough for me. Sure. Okay. And then I took a psychology class and then I actually took a sports psych class and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm able- I love this. Yeah. Best of both worlds because you're able to kind of like, I don't know, it's more complicated. Like the mind's so fascinating. Yes. But I still got my fix of kind of athletics and working with performers and helping them like gain that confidence and reaching goals that they weren't thinking were possible at the beginning. And that's honestly like with The Biggest Loser, that's what I loved is they like got their life back, was able to reach goals they didn't think was possible. So I was able to still accomplish that in a career that was different and more of my liking. And luckily at Utah State, I was able to get involved with a research group. And that group looked at how the family system is affected with sports. Oh, interesting. So I loved that. And one of my mentors, he actually was a sports psychologist, Richard Gordon. um, And he just was fantastic. Helped me like get involved with it. Showed me the ropes. Um, honestly, that whole research group, Travis Dorsch was amazing too. Logan Lyons. Like there are so many great people that I'm so thankful for because they really helped introduce me to this field and got me rolling at a young age. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. And that's why we tell this to students all the time that sometimes you have to get your feet wet to realize that you hate something. Yes, yes. exactly. Like me with that personal training, if I never did that internship, I would have just... You might be, yeah, you might have been kind of stuck. So that's awesome. Oh, wow. I'm glad that you had such awesome mentors who helped you get there. Um, Let's see. So what do you feel are some of the key principles that you apply in your work as you know, a mental performance coach, what do you feel are some of the most important qualities to have? I think it's really important to kind of like practice what you preach. Mm, So I talk to people, like I work with like team building, intentional focus, confidence, effective communication skills. That's what I work with performers with all the time. And so if I'm not working on my own confidence or like working on getting outside Mm -hmm. my own comfort zone, how am I supposed to be like an effective teacher that way? And so it's something we all struggle with, but I definitely try to like practice the skills that I preach. Another thing is since I do juggle so much I also like I'm an adjunct here and have been able to teach that's awesome which is so fun um which class do you teach I taught intro to psychology in the spring and then this summer I'll be doing human development which will be interesting yes (laughs) so I I also love teaching so that's why I wanted to get involved with higher ed because I'm able to get my feet wet and do that yes Um, I have so many hats that I wear and so I really need to focus on like boundaries and my identity and make sure that like I leave work at home yeah and don't bring it home with me because it can just get so messy especially since my practice that I do doing mental performance consulting. Um, I do it through zoom at my apartment oh, okay. or my grandma's house. Um, I do do in-person stuff here or there. Um, but mostly like with my zoom work, I do it at home. So okay. it's so easy to like have those lines yes. cross. Yeah. And so boundaries is so important that people don't really think about, but like with everything in your life, you need to be setting boundaries and like you do hold boundaries. Yeah. Like the way I treat my dog isn't the way I'm going to treat you. And <laughs> right. like, you'd be so creeped out. Thank you. And so it's just 
making sure those boundaries are in line is huge. Yeah. So when you do you have a separate space at your apartment or your grandma's where you do Zoom calls only and then, you know, as soon as you're done, you leave it and go to a different part of the house. Is that kind of part of the way that you make sure that home is home? Yes, that's what I the goal is to do the hard part is I am finishing up my LLC and so I've been having like my laptop with me all the time Mm -hmm. like making sure my website's looking good and like answering emails or texts I'm getting from parents and so it's definitely easier said than done yes but when I'm actually having the sessions yeah I try to just leave that workspace where it is and not do anything else there that makes sense that's cool yeah I think that's super important um So let me see. So I had a follow up question. What can you tell me a day in the life of, you know, a mental performance coach? What does that look like? You know, let's say you're doing this full time, not part time. What would your day look like? So it's really like at this stage of my life, it's super nice that I'm able to kind of work for the university full time because a lot of my work is in the afternoons or on the weekends. Oh, okay. Because the athletes. So with a mental performance consultant, another thing that people get confused about is they think it's only with athletics, Mm -hmm. but I work with like musicians as well. I work with like HR doing team building activities like we're all performers in one way or life or another. Mm -hmm. Also working with parents, making sure that they're like. Being mindful of what they're saying to their kids (laughs) because it's so easy to your kid gets done with the sporting event. Oh, did you win? Well, then that's teaching that kid. Oh, that's the most important. That's the most important thing. It's not about like having fun. And so then they're going to get burnt out later on. And it just teaches them these skills that aren't always as helpful and useful. Yes, winning is fun. Right. But it's not everything. Sure. And so working with like parents and coaches. And so, um, I don't know. Like, I feel like I kind of word vomited and got offline. <laughs> no, there. no, no, no. But it's, I guess, like a big part is if I wasn't doing academic advising or being an adjunct in the day, then I would really work on just like networking a lot more mm-hmm. during the day. I'm able to still network a good amount, but I like a lot of people think that I only work with athletics. So introducing different schools and letting them know that, like, hey, I do this for like students as well and musicians and informing them. Uh, but for the most part, people in their work day, they're free in the evenings. In the evenings. Okay. That that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Evenings so, and weekends. Uh-huh. That's when a lot of my clientele, like I see the most clientele is during the evenings and okay. weekends or like sometimes during holidays, like Memorial Day, I have it's bookings a busy as well. day for you. Yes. And so it's nice because the times where I'm off as an academic advisor or adjunct, I'm able to like dedicate that time to my side business. So they really correlate really well with one another. But it, if I wasn't, if I was doing it full time, my days would definitely be a lot more free and I would just need to network a lot more. Yeah. I was going to ask this later, but how do you manage doing both? So like in a typical day, you, you know, you leave Utah tech five o'clock and then you go straight home and do your side business or how do you avoid getting burnt out? I, the number one thing is like self-care and putting yourself first. If I'm not, and an example of that is like, 
when you're in an airplane, they always like have you put your mask on first before you put your loved ones on. Mm -hmm. And that's totally how self-care is. You need to put yourself first in order to be able to take care and do all the things you want to accomplish. So there are times where like I sometimes push myself too much, but I make sure to like incorporate self-care into my daily life. And so even if it's just like for five minutes, 10 minutes, I incorporate it and it really helps me like keep going. Another thing is like certain days I have blocked off in the week. And so I'm like, I'm not going to be doing anything on those days. It rotates between Saturdays and Sundays, depending on the week. But I always make sure I have one day where I'm like doing nothing. And sometimes during the week, I'll be like, oh my gosh, Wednesday's a day I really want to hang out with my friends. Well, what's nice with having an LLC is you can kind of create your own schedule. So it's like, I'm going to block that off so no one can book me that day. So it's just all about like that balance and making sure that you're constantly putting yourself first because it really is super easy to get burnt out, especially in our society. It's about like, they go, go, go. Yeah, Yeah. drive. If you're not putting that, yeah, hundred and ten percent all the time, right. which is so annoying because you can never reach a hundred and ten percent. Like we only have a hundred percent, and that is on our best days, which we don't yes. always have. So making sure that I'm putting myself first, always incorporating like friends and family. I have a dog, which is super nice because mm, she like that helps. I have to take care of her, yeah. <laughs> especially when I am having sessions through Zoom online. At my house, like if I'm not taking care of her, then she'll like bark and be all wild. (laughs) So I just make sure that I do incorporate self-care first and always make sure to have at least like one day off. Um, Sometimes in my evenings, like I'll block off another day to do something fun with friends, but definitely making sure that I'm not constantly working. Yeah. Always recharging your batteries. Okay, Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, Let's see. So going back to my questions. So I know that you mentioned that you were in that. Um, that study up at Utah State. Did you have any other internships or, you know, things up at Utah State or down here when you were really getting serious about going into this? So I was really blessed. And my senior year, I was able to do an internship for a high school, a track and field team. Okay. And so I did some work with them. I look back and realize I wasn't fully educated <laughs> oh, on sure. the subject. So I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cringy that I like did certain <laughs> you things were with doing them. Because I honestly think that it's best to wait until you're in your master's. Okay. Because you learn so much of the theories. You make sure that you're really utilizing the right stuff as an undergrad, getting your feet wet. There's different ways you can get your feet wet. You could maybe, there's an association that I'm a part of. It's mm-hmm. um, it's called ASP, the Association of Applied Sports Psychology. Okay. So like making sure they're joining that, reading research articles, talking to people that are actually in the field. There's different ways you can get involved and kind of like understand the field, maybe doing some shadowing work, but actually like conducting sessions <laughs> by yourself. Maybe wait. <laughs> maybe, yeah, definitely wait because they're not going to be as ineffective and then okay. it's just not going to be as beneficial. I mean, I'm happy I did it and sure. I learned a lot, but I just look back and I'm like, what was sorry, I doing? you guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so sorry. Cause in your master's, it's great because that first year I was in my master's, it was like more book work, understanding theories. Okay. How do I want yeah. my approach to be with clientele? And then that second year was just about like getting my feet wet. Actually, I was working with a traveling soccer team. Awesome. So it was like a fun experience to like work with them, be with them, do stuff every week. And so that was a great opportunity to be like, yeah, I really love this, but 
if you're not, if you're still unsure, make sure that you're shadowing, okay. getting involved. That's what in my summers, when I would come back home, cause I'm from Henderson, Nevada, mm-hmm. I would reach out to different people and like talk to them. And so there was an individual that practices in Las Vegas. And so I talked to him and learned about his approach. And so I was able to like understand what I like and what I don't like, which yeah. was really great. Cause then when I started in my master's, I kind of had, I mean, there's still so much to learn. Multiple ways to go about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so that's good to know for our students who are listening. Maybe consider that. Yeah, just job shadowing and reading as much as you can. I think that makes sense. You know, (laughs) you're not super educated yet, so that would make sense. Yes, it's similar to like with because there's a lot of overlap between what I do and what a therapist does because like cognitive behavior therapy, that's what I use for my clientele. Like Mm -hmm. I kind of use similar stuff of like thinking errors um, with the athletes and performers. And that's what a lot of therapists do. So there's so much overlap. The difference is just like the applied the application clinical. of it. Sure. Yes. And so when you want to be a therapist as an undergrad, you're not going to start seeing clients. You might do some job shadowing. You might yeah. actually sit in, in a group therapy session and learn from them, but you're not going to be doing you're not one-on-one. counseling people. Yeah, exactly. And that's the same with what I do. Like <laughs> yeah. counseling should wait until you are <laughs> in your master's, in your master's. <laughs> but you definitely like having that job shop job shadowing is so beneficial and I would highly recommend them try to do that. Oh, that's super good to know. Yeah. Cause I work in the college of business. So I'm always pushing my students to like try to get an internship as soon as possible. So mm-hmm. just different. Yeah. Um, what do you feel are some of the most common challenges that athletes face when it comes to motivation and how do you help them? I know you said, um, cognitive Therapy, or what did you call it? Um, cognitive behavior therapy, cognitive like with the thinking errors. Yeah. So, what do you feel are like some really common challenges that you've seen your athletes face, and how do those um, exercises help them? Um, I think the number one thing is confidence mm-hmm. that they struggle with, and it makes sense because it's easy to get into like a comparison trap of like comparing yourself to another individual and be like, Oh my gosh, they have everything put together. They're dropping time. Why am I not dropping time when in all reality, like it's just comparing yourself to others isn't beneficial at all. And so confidence is a huge thing that I would say 99% of my population struggles with it that I work with. And so we have to like dive into it at one point or another. Mm -hmm. And so with the confidence, I don't know, it's kind of like a, It depends because each individual is so unique and I try to make those sessions individualized as much as possible. But with confidence, a big thing is self-taught. Yeah, your inner voice. Yes. What you say to yourself is what you end up like believing over time. Mm -hmm. Self-fulfilling prophecy. So if I tell myself I like, oh, I'm going against the school. Well, the school's better than me. So I'm automatically going to lose. Well, you're going to like. You will lose. Prophecy. (laughs) I, when I was in my master's, I, that soccer team that I was working with, there was a girl that would be like, I always tell myself the worst because then if I like achieve it, that's great. Then it's great. And then I talked to her about like, no, 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 no. it does not work that (laughs) way. That is not beneficial. So that's a huge thing. Like if I had to kind of group people, self-talk and confidence is the number one thing that people struggle with Mm -hmm. and teaching them about a lot of times people think of it like self-talk is like positive, negative, neutral. Sure. But to think of it as like helpful and unhelpful because something that I might say might be helpful. And then if you were to say it, Lindsay, it might not be helpful. We're so individualized. And so it's all about kind of like, like 
connecting to your body and being like, am I feeling better after saying this? Am I feeling worse and different to understand like what type of self-talk you're using? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Because we are all so individual and unique. So what might like work for us isn't going to work for somebody else. So I, my husband and I have been watching that documentary about, um, Ryan Reynolds and that other guy who bought the Wrexham football club. Uh And I don't know if you've seen it, but the coaches, what I would consider so unmotivating is like the yelling at them, telling them that they're horrible. And then they go right out and they like score a couple goals. So it's interesting, you know, what works for other people. Hopefully not that because I feel like that's so yes. unhelpful, but um definitely depends and it's hard too cuz sometimes like TV shows and movies like the, yeah. glamorize <laughs> like do mean stuff to coaches. the extreme. Yes. For sure. But another thing I wish that coaches would realize is like so many times like with being a performer, research has found that like 90% is mental. 90%. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yet you only pay attention to that physical side, which is like 10%, give or take. Yeah. And so I hope like in the future that people really like incorporate a mental performance consultant or a sports psychologist as part of their team. Because if you want your performers to be as successful as possible, why are you not catering to their mental health? Yeah. They need to believe in themselves that they can turn the game around instead of, you know, getting yelled at. And Yeah. Like, and so many times too, like coaches are like, teachers will like want you to come in when there's an issue then it like reinforces the idea that like (laughs) you have to see me because you're broken broken. yes and that's not the case like you don't see your coach to practice like your running form because you're broken you do it because you want to improve yourself right and that's the same thing and so that's the hard part is a lot of times when like teams aren't doing well, then they like call you in. they call you in and yeah. Okay. Let's do some, let's go backwards a little bit. Uh Like this should just be like the beginning, like introduce like, Hey, you like, if you want to be the best, like 90%. So why are you not incorporating this into your everyday life when you're incorporating that physical aspect? Right. Right. Yeah. They're more important, honestly, more important than the drills. A hundred percent. Can you share any success stories or, you know, maybe even really memorable moments from your work, um, maybe in Chicago or here in Utah? Yeah. um, Honestly, because I mean, there's been a lot and it's kind of like, it depends because it depends how they like come and see me, how, like what I consider a success story. But one in particular was I was working with a coach and the coach was like, it was a younger team. And so he was getting really frustrated because they were baseball players and they weren't Mm. focusing. Mm. And so I like talked to the baseball coach about how like, hey, these athletes are like constantly focusing. They're just not always focusing on the right thing. Right. And so like (laughs) as a little kid, you might be like waving to your parents. (laughs) Well, you're focusing. You're paying attention to them. You see an airplane go by. Yes. You're focusing. Just you're not focusing on the ball or the game. And so like learning to focus on the right thing at the right time. But anyways... I just while working with this coach, it was like a huge aha moment oh, for him. Awesome. And it was just really cool to kind of have him make that connection of how important it is. Cause I feel like a lot of the times with the coaches, you either have to like be working with a team and then the team automatically like starts winning. And then they're like, Oh, making the two connections. But in all reality, like it's hard because on the mental side, sometimes results aren't as obvious as you might right. think. It's not about winning. You said that. Uh-huh. And so it was just cool to like have this coach finally like get it and yeah. understand because then I know in the future 
he's going to be working with his athletes in a whole nother way and like newer athletes, he's going to like incorporate different skills into their practices. And I just thought that was a really cool experience. Another like nice experience that I really love is just when athletes start to believe in themselves. Cause like I mentioned, uh, so many struggle with confidence. Mm -hmm. And so just having them like actually believe and think they're capable of achieving whatever they want to is so cool because a lot of the times when they come and see me, sometimes they've been like, they're so discouraged. Yeah, yeah. So discouraged by different things people have said. And so to just see them like have that confidence, stand up taller, sit taller, just believe that they can accomplish whatever they set their mind to. And I know that's something that a lot of times people are like, oh, that's not possible. Like not mm -hmm. everyone can accomplish what they want, but honestly, and I mean, maybe this is me just being an overly optimistic <laughs> person, but I'm going to stick with it. Yeah. If you really like dedicate the time and like learn about your strengths and network and get the right people on your team, like you are capable of whatever you want. Yeah. That change is possible. Uh-huh. And so many of the times, like think of Albert Einstein, Neil Armstrong, like, mm -hmm. so they were doubted so many times, yeah. but like they didn't give up and they realized that, Hey, this is something that's like realistic and possible. It's, it's important for you to like set realistic goals for yourself, but those realistic goals can be goals that other people might not think are realistic for you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I like what you said earlier about the coach, because in a way you're planting the seed that's going to help all of the, all of the performers, like you call them to come after. So yeah, mm -hmm. this is like really futuristic and present work that you're doing. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and sharing a little bit about your journey and learning more about your work has been so exciting and so interesting to me coming from <laughs> a business background and not knowing anything about it. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Trail Talks, a podcast discussing the opportunities students have with career services at Utah Tech University. For more information, go to career.utahtech.edu. Till next time, this has been Trail Talks. This has been a production from a podcast studio.